1: Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast brought to you by FanDuel.com, the leader in one-week fantasy football. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always by Benny Ricciardi as we spotlight part two of the NFL Week 4 action. Today we'll be covering the running back, wide receiver, and defense positions. You can always find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at RotoCurve, RotoWire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Josh FS and find me hosting the Daily Daily Slant DFS show and writing for ProFootballFocus.com. The RotoWire DFS podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you get a chance to rate or review us, please go ahead and do so, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Benny, what's going on, my man?
2: Yeah, not too much. Um, had a pretty decent week last week in NFL. Um, so I'm gearing up and getting ready for this one. Uh, a little bit upset. I got to wake up early Sunday morning to watch my Jets play overseas. But, uh, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. You know, you got to do what you got to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you got to bite the bullet like that. So uh, what, what are you going to do? Wake up, was it 1 a.m. over there on East Coast? What time is that game
2: on? I, to be honest, I don't even know. Um, I'm going to have to, I got to wait till it gets closer to Sunday. and Then I'll figure out what time it's going to be on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely either going to set an alarm clock. I'll probably be making lineups anyway. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll go to bed a little early before I'm done making lineups and then get up in the morning and uh, make a couple more while I'm watching that game. So that's probably how i wind up going about doing it. I uh,
1: bet get a little research done while, while you're uh, sweating some, some Jets NFL action. So that's pretty cool. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and kick this off uh, like we always do here for FanDuel at the running back position here. Who are some top anchor plays for cash games and GPPs here in week four?
2: Well, I think any discussion this week about running backs, you're going to have to start by talking about Carlos Williams. Um, we know that Lashawn McCoy is very likely to be out, so Williams is going to be getting the lion's share of the carries. Over here on FanDuel, he's 6300 which isn't incredibly cheap, but it's still, you know, I mean, he's a cheap running back comparatively, but it's not a dirt cheap price where it'll be easy for him to make value. Now, he did have 12 carries for 100 yards uh, last week. He did score a touchdown. He's got a couple touchdowns on the season. He's averaging 7.5 yards per carry. Um, he's a guy that has good hands, so he's going to catch a couple passes out of the backfield. And he's going up against a weak Giants defense. Now, you're going to hear this name all over the place this week with McCoy being out. I think he makes for a solid play, um, if nothing else, because he's going to see the volume. Uh, kind of like the argument I made last week a little bit about uh, the Bonta Freeman. You know, if you're going to have a guy who's going to see that many carries and is going to be in there on third down work, is going to be in there on goal line work, is going to be, you know, the back on first and second down that's moving the ball for him. There's enough things that he's going to do and enough ways that the game script can play out that it's going to be a positive situation for you. So I do think he's somebody that you have to look at and somebody who you should be looking to use.
1: I'm, I'm with you there. You saw what the damage that he did out there in week one and... Um, I think that he's basically taking this job away from Tevin Coleman. So even if Tevin Coleman happens to pop back into the lineup, it's probably going to be in the old Devontae Freeman secondary role. And I think he's a good bet for uh, work out of the backfield as well, along with uh, all the all the red zone and, goal, and the goal line work as well. And you're getting a reasonable price uh, uh, still for the time being. I don't know how much longer this is going to last. But uh, you know, 7,200 for elite level production. I still think it is a value when you take a look at some of the other options that you might have to pay up for uh, in terms of salary on FanDuel. Like Adrian Peterson's 9K, Le'Veon Bell 8,900, Jamal Charles 8,700. So you're still getting a significant cost savings for potentially top level production, especially given um, you know the lack of um, stoutness that the Houston defense. Has uh, provided here the first three weeks of the season here. Uh, who else is going to be in your lineups here for uh, this Sunday?
2: Yeah, well, I like like you said. I mean, I actually wanted to ask you a question when we when we look at the top running backs this week. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of guys who don't have very good matchups. Right. Um, you know, like you got Adrian Peterson going up against Denver, who's a pretty stout defense. Mm-hmm. You know, that game is is supposed to go in Denver's favor, so they might have to abandon the run late um who do you like to pay up for towards the top end because I actually have been looking at a lot of the guys in the middle and I I don't really have any strong feelings about anybody up top is there anybody up top that that you're willing to pay up for uh for me
1: uh, I think Matt Forte at uh 8300 especially if Jimmy Clausen's uh um back under under center I think they're just at home there's I guess uh, I think a much less chance they 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 get housed uh at home versus Oakland and you know um, versus how they got uh, destroyed in Seattle, so I feel I figure Matt Forte for a much bigger role, from the leave heavy run game and and you know be the outlet guy that Jimmy Clausen sort of lean on uh, in the passing game there as well. So I think he's probably the one of the top options there. Devonte Freeman, aside from that, Le'Veon Bell is sort of in that similar role, having to help out his backup quarterback. So at eighty nine hundred, there's probably I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be somebody that might actually be overowned because I've heard so much about how Michael Vick, Michael Vick, Michael Vick this week on the short week uh, coming back and, you know, how his lack of passing skills just lean for a 30-plus touch game uh, for Levy and Bill, but I still think he makes a, a very good option as well. I still also think you need to take a look at Eddie Lacy and or James Starks. I think there's probably a chance for that to be a little bit underowned this week given the fact they ran uh, Kansas City out of the, I wanted to say gym. But it's not a gym. It's a field. So I'm um, getting ready for NBA here, Benny. Uh, I hear you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they put up a ton of points, and you didn't see a lot of production there with with Eddie Lacy or James Starks. But I, I wouldn't mind just tossing Eddie Lacy in a GPP for 7800 just because I don't feel like anybody really wants to own him, and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for scoring in their San Francisco. It could be a fourth quarter uh, grind out the clock type of thing, which we didn't get to see because Kansas City kept coming back uh in that uh game last week on on monday night uh so those are some of the top players i think everybody above 8k that you should probably consider um there as well and then that, after that then we're talking about second tier guys do you have anybody in that top tier or are, we, are you on to the second tier here for week four
2: yeah i mean you know i do like the Le'Veon bell play for those that are playing um because that's a thursday night game right
1: uh yes
2: yeah, if you're playing Thursday night, I like the bell play. On Sunday is is when I've kind of been looking more down at the middle. Um, again, like I said, I like Carlos Williams. I like Devonta Freeman. Um, another guy who I really like is Latavius Murray this week. Yes, uh, he plays against that Chicago team, which is you know pretty weak run defense. Their defense isn't anything special, uh, especially you know with them trading off parts left and right, just you know basically giving up on the season. Uh, Oakland is favored in that game, and the thing I like about Murray is he's never off the field. He's a he's a true three down back for them. He's the guy who runs it and picks up some yards on first down. He's got pretty good hands, so he's the guy that's in there on third downs. He's the guy that's in there at you know the hurry up offense at the end of the at the end of the half. Um, he'll be in there if the game script goes against them and they're losing. He'll still be in there catching passes, uh, you know, taking his occasional run. He's the goal line back, so he gets the goal line work. He gets the touchdowns for you. And, um, again, he's going to be the guy, if they are winning like they're supposed to be, according to Vegas here, he'll be the guy that's running the clock out late. I mean, last week he had, I think, 26 uh, carries. He didn't have a lot of catches, but they didn't need him to catch the ball a lot last week. You know, when the game script went against him the week before, you know, he did have seven catches there. He's got 11 catches on the season. So he's one of those guys that I like because... Even if you use them, especially in a cash game, even if the game doesn't go the way you plan and he doesn't get the 20 carries and they're not winning and running out the clock, you know he's still going to get his touches if it's in the passing game or if he's still in there because they're giving him a couple carries, you know, because the team is playing a prevent or something at the end of the game. Um, he's basically game script proof. And those are the kind of guys that I like to use in my cash games because, you know, occasionally we, we put a guy in there, expect him to get 20 carries and his team goes down 14 and, you know, the. You know the guy who's the third down back is in there. Well, in Latavius Murray's case, he is that guy. So even if that is the case, and even if it does go against him, you know you're still going to get some points out of him.
1: I, I like that play. I think it makes a ton of sense overall, and I like the cost savings that you're able to get on FanDuel for uh, Latavius Murray. Murray there, well, it just clearly sits there in the second tier with a uh, first tier upside at 7,500 for FanDuel. So I'm I'm in on a, a Oakland stack altogether. I think I'll probably have a Derek Carr to Amari Cooper lineup. Uh, there as well. Maybe I might even sprinkle in a little Michael Rivera if I'm feeling frisky and I want to save Ooh. some cash there. So I know we're not talking tight ends today, but just uh, want to throw that little uh, nugget out there for you guys. So in terms of, uh, you know, secondary top tier options, once we get, you know, below the 8K floor on FanDuel, some guys that I were originally interested was Jonathan Stewart at 6,300 facing a Tampa Bay defense that is, um, tw- I think uh, th- ranking 30th and, uh, terms of is it overall defense uh, i'm sorry 28th in overall defense uh through two, through the first three weeks of, of the season so there's some definitely uh some opportunity for you there and they are 30th in terms of run d so um there's a, should have been a lot of opportunity for johnson Stewart. If he's, if he's able to get healthy then there's some opportunity there i don't know what what do you make of this running back situation? If Stewart gets ruled out, do you, will you will you gamble on somebody like Fozzie Whitaker or Cameron artis Payne if they get announced as a starter?
2: I mean, to me, I think that if Stewart is going to be out, Tolbert will probably get the goal line work right. Sure. So if cool. I'm taking any, yeah, if I'm taking anybody, I'm taking a guy that gets touchdowns. But I'm going to be honest, I don't I don't really have faith in any of these guys. Um, there are some other guys who I'd rather go like some of the guys we talked about. I just don't see spending down to get somebody who, you know, one way or another, I think all these guys are going to wind up getting some carries if Stewart's out. Um, You know, one of them may get a few more carries than the other one, but none of them are really explosive where I think they're going to have huge gains if they do get a couple extra carries. And unless I knew one of them was going to be getting 20 carries or if I felt like one of them was going to be the guy who, you know, was the bell cow who they were going to feed – Maybe I'd be able to do it, but short of that, I just can't see myself doing it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I, I, I could see why you would want to stay away from that because if you, Fozzie Whitaker gets announced as a starter and he struggles through the first five carries, whatever, then they go Cameron as artist, artist Payne, then you might have just like a uh, an Andrew situation there for the Tennessee Titans where out of nowhere, he ends up with more carries than Bishop Sankey and uh, Terrence West, and you're regretting gambling in that spot. So I want to see how they treat that second running back position before I uh, try to scoop up uh, a cheapy there for FanDuel and my GPP lineups there as well. Any other mid-tier, or are, are you down to your home run plays here for the running back position on FanDuel for Week 4?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would be, at that point, I'd be looking for some of the injury situations to see if something pops up, um, you know, like looking at a guy like maybe a Thomas mm-hmm. Rawls if uh, Marshawn Lynch can't play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I heard that the Marco Murray was back in practice today, so if he's going to go, that takes guys like Sproles and uh, Matthews, who I was looking at off the list for me. But yeah, I mean, there's nobody else that I have a lot of faith in at the lower level unless I see that. You know, there's something that happens injury wise that's going to give them a whole bunch of carries that would make me want to kind of tick up their chances to make value.
1: Yeah, I, I think that makes um, a, a ton of sense uh, overall for some of these home run plays. I'm actually writing up Thomas Rawls in my Pro Football Focus article here for uh, Week Four, of the Sunday there. But it really is sort of dependent on Marshawn Lynch. But I don't see why the need for the the, the need for them in this matchup against Detroit to push Marshawn Lynch into the into the lineup. Uh, there as well. So we're, I'm going to need some definitive news on um, probably Sunday morning before lineup lock these GPPs for me to roll rolls out there. But I think there's a ton of upside and a lot of, you know, cost savings opportunity if he is, if you're able to know that Marshawn Lynch is out of the lineup and uh, stay tuned on Saturday for our uh, Roadwire R- R- Week 4 weekend update podcast. We'll hopefully have some good information in terms of ownership percentages and hopefully an injury update for Seattle and we can point you in the, in the uh, proper direction. All right, um, any other plays that are on the radar for you for running back into Week 4 before we move on to wide receivers?
2: No, I think we pretty much talked about all the guys that I have in my lineups early on here, so... Um like I said, other than uh, Thomas Rolls, if he's in there, that's pretty much everybody that I'm going to be using or, or looking to swerve off to at this point. I,
1: I, don't, I also don't mind Danny Woodhead against Cleveland here uh, and who's been exposed in the running game uh, by, by a very big stretch. You take a look at uh, some of the defensive rankings according to Pro Football Focus there. Uh, run defense last in the league through the first three weeks of season. They have a negative 25.5 uh, grade um I'm sorry. uh, Negative 18.9 grade, 25.5 overall uh, um, in the run game. So, and that puts them overall second worst in the league. So, you can basically treat them almost like Chicago right now until the Cleveland figures out what they're doing because they have no pass rush to speak of. Their linebackers aren't making plays, and they're you know they're supposed to have a a a Pro Bowl type secondary that um, is getting you know exposed by guys like Amari Cooper and Brandon Marshall and even their you know Seth Roberts. Of the Oakland Raiders, you know, coming underneath and, and becoming fantasy relevant um, in some, I guess, deeper season long or GPP lineups there. So, uh, Cleveland Browns for me, Danny Woodhead it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, you, uh, if you want to find out exactly how I feel about uh, Melvin Gordon, you can also read the uh, Pro Football Focus article that'll uh, be out tomorrow uh, in the fantasy section on ProFootballFocus.com. And um, another guy that you that I probably want to take a look at here that is a really risky GPP play for me personally, but I, I like the, the information that's coming out. Is Duke Johnson for the Cleveland Browns. They've sort of um, decided that, uh, or Mike Pettine rather mentioned in his uh, Thursday practice press conference that they need to get uh, Duke Johnson the ball more in space, and he did see an increased number of targets there in the passing game, but I really felt like that was sort of just um, dump off checkdowns by Josh McCown, and I think you might see some of those more um, by design here coming into week week four. It's only a matter of time before they realize that Duke Johnson is the best running back who deserves not to be splitting with Isaiah Correll, but should be at least 60-40 or better, and he's 5,400 on FanDuel. So if you feel like gambling a little bit, I wouldn't mind having a share or two of Duke Johnson just in case he hits that bust-out game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to be quite low-owned heading into week four. All right, let's go ahead and move on to wide receivers. Who's going to be catching the rock for you here in week four, Benny?
2: Um, Actually, I am a big fan, and I know it's a Thursday night game, but for you guys who are playing Thursday night games, I think Steve Smith is almost a must-include kind of guy today. Mm -hmm. He is the third overall in targets in the NFL, um, just shy of 14 targets a game, which is a huge number that he's seeing. He has the fifth-best matchup, according to Pro Football Focus, going up against Pittsburgh's Antoine Blake, and he's basically the only good wide receiver they have. So he gets a ton of usage. He's a guy who is even seeing some red zone looks, despite the fact that he doesn't. He's not your typical red zone receiver, but again, they just they don't really have anybody else over there. I do think that they're going to be able to pass because Pittsburgh's been getting passed on basically all season. And um, at seventy three hundred on FanDuel, I just think his price is way too low for the production that he's been giving you this year.
1: Yeah, I like that play a lot. I think it makes a ton of sense there as well. Um, there's a couple people in that same sort of group um and one of them that stands out to me in sort of that similar vein there is don is a uh, dante moncrief mm-hmm. there uh for the indianapolis colts i can't believe that his price is still where it's at um maybe it's because they ty hilton and andre johnson are actually in the lineup starting and getting their regular amount of snaps and dante moncrief is just outplaying them but I just really am surprised sort of that there isn't a, a price adjustment that's come a little bit more aggressively on Dante Moncrief. Just 6300 uh, on on FanDuel. It's like he's basically the Carlos Williams of, of wide receivers this week. It's super cheap, makes a ton of sense, and you you know it almost feels like a punt play for the price, but it's actually a chalk play because you, you know he's been productive and you know is in line for a big role, same way that Carlos Williams should be with Shady out of the lineup. So... There's my chalk punt price uh, options uh, you know, between Carlos Williams and Dante Moncrief here uh, heading into week four. Um, are you going to be pairing Moncrief up with Andrew Luck? That's the question.
2: No, I definitely will not be. Um, I don't like what I'm hearing about Luck having a shoulder injury that's come out this week. But I do agree with you on the Moncrief pick. Uh, high over under game there. You know, Andre Johnson is just straight trash right now. He's... You know He's not even somebody that I'm going to consider, and I agree with you. I think Moncrief is very undervalued. As a matter of fact, um, I use a, I look at a ranking every week that's put out by uh, Fantasy Pros, and they have him as the fourth most undervalued wide receiver over on Fanduel this week. So definitely like him a lot. Um, I think he has a nice floor in the teens, a nice ceiling in the 20s, and for the price, I think that's pretty good. So I'm definitely going to be uh, having some Moncrief in my rosters as well. Another guy I actually like at that same kind of level around that $7,000 level with Steve Smith and Moncrief, Amari Cooper, has been unbelievable lately. Mm-hmm. He's got back-to-back games of 100 yards. He's actually the number one value um, on that Fantasy Pro's ranking at wide receiver this week for FanDuel. He sees a ton of targets. He's actually 13th overall, and people will tell you that Michael Crabtree is actually 12th on that list, which tells you how much Oakland's been thrown already this year. And the thing I like more about Cooper than than, uh, Crabtree, Crabtree had 16 targets in the last game when Cooper had a tough matchup. But every other game, Cooper's been the guy who's been seeing the targets. I watched that game last week, and Cooper is definitely the guy that David Carr was looking to first. He was the first read on most of those plays. A lot of the targets that went Crabtree's way was usually after Carr already looked over to the side with Cooper and then had to look back for something else that was open. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think Cooper is the number one there. Going up against a weak secondary, and at 7,200 coming off back-to-back 100-yard games, he's a touchdown threat. I I like Amari Cooper a lot this week, and even though I think they're going to be a little bit run heavy and they're going to put a hurting on the Bears, um, I think that he's going to still see a lot of volume. So he's somebody I'm going to have in my rosters, too.
1: I think that makes a a ton of sense for me as well. I was talking um, with uh, (coughs) Justin Ellick um, on the uh, Tuesday show for uh, Daily Slam for Pro Football Focus about how... Uh, Amari Cooper we feel like is profiles like a mini Julio Jones which sounds like it's crazy talk because Julio is basically the number one receiver in the game now that Ben Roethlisberger is down for the next you know four to six weeks and it was maybe already you know maybe he w- was that even with Antonio Brown healthy and with his quarterback so but if you saw what Amari Cooper did to Joe Hayden that Joe Joe Hayden should have filed a police report I don't tell you right <laughs> now that was like just like violent what yes. the way he was getting abused so you know, I mean, if he, if he was under eighteen, we would have to call child protective services for Joe Hayden. It was ridiculous <laughs> what happened. But uh, yeah, Amari Cooper, give me some Amari Cooper all day. know, I'm going to be stacking it up. And I, like I said, I will create at least one or two David Carr to Amari Cooper GPP lineups against the lowly Chicago Bears defense. Um, taking a look at some some other uh, potential options here as well. By the way, I love your Steve Smith play. And um, we talked about how if you're using the Thursday slate, Max Williams is filling in for Crockett Gilmore. So if you're looking at cheap tight end punt option, uh, there's some opportunity for you there. I think this is another week where we um, sort of the sort of the talk, the the second tier guy that nobody really wants to talk about, but has been um, very steady and productive there. I got we got to talk about Nuke Hopkins here, Benny. Oh, yeah. Uh, 20 points in two of the first three weeks or more of the season. Eight for 101 in a score on 14 targets. Has no less than 11 targets in uh, each of his first three games. 14, 11, and 13 targets there. So the guy is getting volume. They don't even look another wide receiver's way right now. And so I think there's some prime opportunity... At Atlanta, which we know now, the only issue that I have is that if he gets if, if he gets shadowed by Desmond Trufant, that could potentially be bad for him. But I think he's enough of a talent that you should probably get some shares in there in there somewhere on DeAndre Hopkins. What what do, how do you feel about that matchup?
2: Well, I don't think I think that the way that they play their defense, they don't really have anybody who shadows anybody. They kind of just stay to their own side of the field. Yeah, and we've kind of seen that in the first two weeks or in the first couple weeks because. They've already given up a big game to Jordan Matthews who had a bunch of points against them in week 1. They gave up a big game to Odell Beckham in week 2. Yeah. So, it's not like wide receivers have not been doing well against them. You know, what? Um, I should already have already seen
1: Sorry to interrupt. I should have just checked the, my my the the wide receiver uh, cornerback chart on Pro Football Focus because that would answer my own question. They have Robert Alford projected mm-hmm. on the on on the uh the, the right corner cornerback side uh, matched up uh, against DeAndre Hopkins. So that answers my own question and he's got it looks like a top 15 wide receiver grade for the weekend. So there's everything you need to know. You were just yep. explaining it for me um, mm-hmm. when I could have just, you know, done my own homework. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's, you know, I'm actually Hopkins is the guy. I've basically been staying in that mid range that we were talking about for wide receivers. Hopkins is the guy who's probably the most that I've been spending up. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other things he has going in his favor. I mean, he's now its favorite target by far. And you can see that in the numbers. He has the fifth most targets of any wide receiver so far this season. And the other thing I like about him, um, he gets red zone looks. They actually ran a fade to him in week one, one-on-one on on the outside. And last week he went and and faked like he was going to go to the outside for the fade, came right across the middle on a slant and caught a touchdown that way. So not only does that show you that they're looking to do different things to him, but it shows you that they're looking at design plays for him down there in the red zone. So that's always a good sign when a coach is trying different things to get the ball into the hands of, quite frankly, his most talented player. And the thing that I really like about this game, even though the, the over-under is not that high, you have two of the highest-paced teams in the league that are playing in this game. Right now, Houston is the team that is running the most plays per game at 80, and Atlanta is third, running the third most plays per game at 69.7. So the more plays you have, the more opportunity you have, the more opportunity you have, the more targets you're going to see for a guy who's already got a big market share on his team. So this could be a really, really big game for Hopkins. So I definitely want some of him in my lineups.
1: I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And I, you know what? I just feel bad. I'm like that kid in school. who's like, hey, Benny, what did you put for number 13? Did You put C? I was like, looks like you, you circled C. And I'm like, I can't do my own homework. So I <laughs> apologize for that. It's all, all right. good. All right. So you know what? Um, speaking of mid-tier priced options here, Keenan Allen for 7700 against Cleveland I think is in a very good spot there as well. as a, a, a good safe floor. and Nice performance uh, for him as the preferred guy. I, I was actually on Team Stevie Camp. But this is the sick part that I don't think people maybe unless they're, they've been in on Keenan Allen and I haven't through the first three weeks of the season 17 targets at home with on 15 yes. catches, 18 targets with 12 for 133 and two scores. That's sick level production. So guess who I'm going to be stacking up here in week three against the 32nd ranked defense according to Pro Football Focus?
2: Yeah, oh, definitely. Him and Rogers and yeah. I mean, him and Rivers, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, now let me ask you where you stand on this because we actually had, you know, me and a couple other guys who had discussed DFS stuff were actually having an argument about this last night. Now, I completely agree with you. Amari Cooper absolutely embarrassed Joe Hayden last weekend. But Hayden is still somebody who's considered a pretty good cornerback in this league. Mm -hmm. So do you think that Keenan Allen is going to have an advantage here? Like, Do you think that there's a difference between what he does and what Cooper does that's going to make it harder or easier for a guy like Hayden to cover him? Or do you just think Hayden's having... I mean, Hayden could have just had a bad game last game. Um, I know he has a bad pro football focus grade because of how bad he played last game. But with him still being considered pretty much like a a good corner in this league, you know, somebody that normally you don't want to target against, um, I I don't know. I'm like kind of torn on how I want to take that game. Because you you look at the numbers and it looks like Keenan Allen should be a great play. Mm -hmm. But I, I have a tough time getting over the fact that Joe Hayden is now that bad. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I agree with you. Here's, here it is in twofold for you. I'm just going to break it down because you know uh, I follow the Browns as close as anybody. All right. mm-hmm. First of all, the Browns provided zero pass rush in week one and week Three, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits. Um, so there's no pressure being being had. So all these corners and everybody in the entire secondary is is being forced to cover longer than they should have. No one can cover ah. forever. That's mm-hmm. the problem. So even if he is doing a good job, it, you know, the quarterback can just wait long enough for their top receivers to break open. And, right. you know, and they throw uh, – they don't – you are not. Joe Hayden does a lot better when it's, I think, an intermediate to deep route coverage there where he can sort of gamble a little bit, get himself in good position, and then close – um, you know, especially if the ball is not thrown per- perfectly on time. If you're asking him to, mm-hmm. you know, handle the short to mid- intermediate routes that San Diego loves to throw, it's going to be a lot tougher for him to, you know, lock down the, you know, eight to twelve one yard out routes. I mean, I mean, you know, eight yard okay. out routes and, and things of that sort, which you can see now. But this is why you see such volume for yeah. him as well, because there are a lot of just short passes. Uh, coming his way that he just keeps racking up and and he's a good red zone target with his size so I'm not going to go away from him. The other thing that you have to remember too is Joe Hayden started the first four games of last season just as bad as this looking like some, somebody who stole money on a contract and then came back once the pass rush got going and Cleveland sort of figured some things out um, so they're all tied together and this is exactly what happened to Joe Hayden last year so I okay. have no problem rolling him in my lap. Same thing for Stevie Johnson, too. I'll, I'll get some shares of him in there as well, as, as long as the Browns continue to not be able to rush the passer at all.
2: Yeah, and if Ladarius is out, I like both of them a lot more, too, because they're going to see some extra targets. Um, and it looks like with the concussion, the second concussion he had last week, he's still in the concussion protocol, hasn't gotten out of it yet. So if he's out, that's just one less pass catcher that they have in there as well. Right. Um, so I think both of those guys are going to keep seeing a, you know a big number of targets.
1: All right, so we talked about Dante Moncrief. We talked about some of our top and our mid-tier options. Obviously, I don't really, it goes without saying, you can play Julio all day if you want to, if you're willing to pay up the 9400 on, on on FanDuel. I think Damaris Thomas also makes some sense, but those are sort of chalky, and we're not trying to give you the chalk because you guys can pretty much figure that out for yourself. We're trying to go a little bit deeper. So you got you got a home run play for me before we move on to defense?
2: I actually do um there's two guys that I've been looking at the one guy is somebody everybody's been talking about and that's Alan Hearns and that basically has to come down with the fact that um Robinson Alan Robinson is probably going to be matched up with Vontae Davis Mm -hmm. and they're probably going to be behind so Hearns is going to see volume and I don't think that's a horrible play I think you know there's definitely some merit there but I'm not a huge Alan Hearns fan but after watching the Cleveland game from last week I am actually coming around to being a believer in Travis Benjamin I, you
1: know what? Thank you very much for saying that because I don't know if people remember this, but I was on an, on Travis Benjamin, Benjamin Island by myself last week.
2: Yeah, I, you talked – You you. we had this discussion last week, right. and I thought you were crazy. But after watching that game again, he got multiple red zone targets. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you could tell that they were looking for him. Like they ran – I think he had a touchdown on a quick slant that they ran that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean McCown's eyes were locked on him the whole time. That was the – that was the play design. That's what they were looking for. Yep. They took shots downfield to the end zone to him. Mm-hmm. He saw more targets than I expected him to have. Right. Um, maybe it's because there's a difference with McCown than there is with Johnny Football. With with Johnny Football, they weren't throwing it as much as I feel they do now with McCown in there. They were ahead in that game too. So well, that, yeah, that, yeah, that might have something to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. But he is a legitimate receiver. He's not just a, you know, I thought he was just a guy who they threw one or two deep balls to a game. Um, he's running all the routes. So they got him on the field a lot. He's running all the routes. Mm -hmm. At at $6,000 and a week removed from his huge week with everybody off of him now, I'm coming around. I got to be honest.
1: He's the best um, offensive threat they have in that game. Ten targets, four for 45 and score. So he didn't punish you for 5600 on FanDuel. And, you know, 6K is still uh, plenty – is it six k this week here? Yeah, six k. Right? Yeah, six yep. k is plenty reasonable still, and I expect the Cleveland Browns to be behind in this game uh, as well. And um, in the majority of the routes that he runs, he just has so much top end speed that he's basically uncoverable. You can you, you have to double him, uh, and, and even in double coverage, he can he can beat the the top guy down the sideline there as well and if he breaks this route off like he did a few times there and makes a cut there's almost no stopping him with uh in in single coverage so i I, i'm you know me i'm on team benjamin that might be a little bit of homerish for me but you do love that you that you that you're trying to see finally seeing the volume with the 10 targets that you can feel more comfortable with and like you said three red zone targets um one he cashed in on one was um probably you know 50 50 at best it was not a great thrown ball and then the third one if um, Josh McCown puts air under the ball. Um, he he takes it. He walks into the end zone. Instead, mm-hmm. he threw sort of like a line shot, and then um, Charles Woodson baited him and picked that interception off to win the game. But if he puts air under it and lets Benjamin walk into the end zone, then you, then you have a tie game and you get bonus stats for Travis Benjamin and overtime. Yeah,
2: and I mean if you watch this guy return one punt, you can tell. Elective. that he has he has a different level of speed than everybody I mean the NFL is a fast league to begin with mm-hmm. and he has a different gear that just allows him to run by people I mean this guy is elite elite yeah. athleticism so
1: you know the sick part of it too is they did an interview with him and now he's two years removed from the torn ACL and he's like you know what if I ran my 40 now I think now that I'm two years in I'm really feeling healthy I could probably run four2. Four three, <laughs> and I was like, "That's just really sick."
2: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, like I said, if you watch him return a punt, mm-hmm. you can see the that he has you know next level athleticism. It's it's pretty pretty obvious to see. Yeah,
1: absolutely. One quick uh, play I want to throw out there, um, as well as a um, potential guy. I think everybody and their mom is off Anquan Bolden, and it's not particularly attractive uh, overall because he's not the cheapest guy overall. He's sixty-four hundred, but so that's still fairly good value, and I expect the Niners to fully be behind, and. Um, I don't think that the Green Bay defense is nearly as stout as the Cardinals is. So I think that you could just be like a a little bit of a PPR monster, maybe sneaks in for a score uh, there as well. So if I need a mid tier wide receiver to fill out one of my last spots on Fanduel, I'm going to definitely look Anquan Bolden's way because I, there's no way that the Niners aren't going to be forced to have to pass in the second half against Green Bay. So, and he plays that, you know, middle, middle of the, um, uh, defense, uh, you know, high volume, 15 to 20 yard catch roll. And, Vernon Davis is just, um, you know, he disappears from game to game there as well. So I, this is the only person I really feel comfortable trusting. Maybe he, uh, Torrey Smith makes more sense for a GPP, um, but I really feel say, a lot safer about Anquan Bolden overall. I'm not scared of, off of the production like most people are. He's been super consistent and uh, the last couple of years for the Niners, and Colin Kaepernick has been his quarterback and his preferred target. So something to keep in mind there um, heading into week four. And while we're talking about FanDuel plays here for week four, well, you've seen the ads, your friends are playing, and now it's your turn to get signed up at FanDuel.com. FanDuel is a leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. The money is real. They're paying out over $75 million this week, this football season, and building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay on their salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Win, win, win. Entry fees start at just $1, so anyone can play. You know fantasy football. Now prove it at FanDuel.com. So how did your team do last week? Uh, Hit me up on Twitter at JoshHayesFS or hit up Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and let us know some of your top FanDuel picks here for week four, and we'll give you ours as well, just like we do each and every week on this show. So go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use my promo code RWDFS and sign up now. Special offer for new users. For every dollar that you deposit on FanDuel, we will match it up to $200 uh, that gets earned as you play that's a bonus of up to 200 bucks offers only good for the first 50 people that use this promo code rwdfs don't forget to forget to use my code rwdfs fanduel.com where every day is a new season that's f-a-n-d-u-e-l.com sign up today all right let's talk some defense before we get out of here benny who's going to be uh holding down the fort for you here and uh in week four
2: Well, I actually think there are three elite defenses this week who I'm going to be rolling everywhere. And I really don't think you need to go anywhere outside of these three on all of your rosters, whether it's tournament or cash game rosters. And I'm going to give you the one that I like the most first, and that's the Denver Broncos. They're a little bit of a discount to the other defenses. I think they're only 47 this week. Um, And this is a defense that, I mean, they basically, they've been unbelievable so far this year. They have a... A great matchup, and if you look at the numbers that they've been putting up, they've basically been giving you the numbers of like an RB1 or an RB2 so far this year. So when you can get those kind of scores out of a defense, you definitely have to look their way. They can get the sacks. They've been getting the turnovers. They've been um, limiting the other team's scoring. I think they're only giving up like 19 points a game or something like that. And in the matchup that they have this week, Minnesota basically needs to establish the run in order to take pressure off of Teddy Bridgewater. And they also need to get a lead or at least keep a game close enough where they can continue to run throughout the game. Being that Denver is home in this one and and favored by a good margin, I think Denver's going to wind up getting a lead, which is going to force Bridgewater to have to drop back and really sling it around. Now, we saw in week one when they played San Francisco what happens when, you know, you basically ask Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball a lot. He's going to wind up having some turnovers. They're going to have drives that are going to stall. They're not going to be able to move the ball, especially this week. They're playing without one of their starting receivers. Charles Johnson is very likely to miss this game. Um, I just think that there's the game script does not set up well at all for Minnesota. I think they're going to be trailing. They're going to be forced to pass. You're going to be able to get those Denver pass rushers, You know, guys like DeMarcus Ware, who looks like he's five years younger and is playing great, getting pressure off the edge. Um, I really like this Denver team. I think they're going to put up another big score this week. They've been one of the top-scoring defenses so far through the first three weeks, and I see no reason why that's going to change in this matchup. So the Denver defense is easily going to be my cash game defense, and I'm even going to have them in a lot of tournaments, kind of like Seattle last week. Even if they're highly owned, I expect them to be 30% owned. If they're not that highly owned, I'm going to be rolling them out in a lot of my tournaments, because I think I like them more than the field is going to.
1: I'm with you. I'm all in on Denver defense, especially when you get the $4,700 di- price difference between 5300 on Seattle. I still think Seattle's fine, so I'll probably differentiate with them. And if, if I need to save some cash, I don't mind dropping down to 4400 for the Indianapolis Colts against Jacksonville. So I think that makes some sense there as well. Um if we get the, some crazy weather factor where the game plays and it's windy, Philadelphia D for 4500 um, might be an uh, another like GPP differentiation play that I'll take uh, among the defense there as well, so I'll probably pay attention to the weather reports uh, yeah, in the uh, in that fashion there as well. And that is going to wrap it up for the Rotowire DFS podcast here. Uh, for week four, uh, part two. Don't forget, you can subscribe and, um, listen to the, the RotoWire DFS podcast on iTunes and Stitcher for your download and convenience. So be sure to give us a rating, a review, and don't forget to subscribe. And best of luck to viewing all your daily contests. Don't forget to follow Benny Ricciardi on Twitter to break down, um, all the latest, uh, t- Twitter questions, DFS stuff that he's got going on throughout the week. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you here next time.